Notice what it says in verse 14 of Genesis chapter 3. It says, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. It says, Christmas Eve, why are we talking about this story? Well, actually, this story has everything to do with Christmas. In fact, the last song that we sang as a congregation, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, you might have noticed on that last verse where it said, you know, come desire of nations come. Okay, it's like it's calling for Jesus Christ to come, fixing us thy humble home, rise the woman's conquering seed, bruising us the serpent's head, Adam's likeness now efface, stamp thine image in its place, second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. It turns out what Christmas is all about, what that songwriter understood, is that this, the whole idea of Jesus coming to earth is He is doing what needs to be done so man, God and man can be reconciled together again. We see back in the beginning when God made everything, it was all good. God made man in His own image. And we see that God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. He walked in the garden. He had that close relationship. But because of sin, we see that man fell. And as a result of that, they ended up getting banished from the Garden of Eden. They were not to take of that tree of life because God didn't want them eating it and living forever. Because the truth is, the only way you're going to get eternal life, we now know it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so he did. He kept them out of that Garden of Eden. And we see, though, in this story, immediately, I mean, the very first prophecy that we see after the fall of man, immediately, one of the first things God does is He gives the promise of a Messiah. He didn't use that term. He didn't say the name of Jesus Christ, but we see immediately after man's sin that God made a promise. And God, I like what He says to Satan, you know, he, he puts a curse on that serpent and he said, I'm going to put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. If you read Josephus, all right, Josephus, he was just a Jewish historian. We don't get our doctrine from him, but he, on his, what he said about this passage, and I think it's interesting, he said, and I think there's an element of truth to it, but he made the statement in there that that whole thing is that's why we hate snakes, okay? I mean, are we not all creeped out by snakes? And you know, and there's always that one person that's not creeped out by snakes, but they're usually a weirdo, aren't they? I, I, remember I was out, I was out soloing one time when we lived in LaSalle, and I knocked on this guy's door, and this guy, he comes, he comes to the door, and you know, no shirt, he's all pierced up on his body, it was real, it was real disturbing. But you know, I, I wasn't so bothered by that, I wasn't scared by that. And as I'm talking, I'm like, hey, you know, my name's Tommy McMurtry, I'm from Lighthouse Baptist. Whoa! And I jumped, he was holding this snake in his hand. I, I, I mean, I did, I just, I immediately jumped and I yelled. And, I'm, and he just kind of laughed. <laughs> he wasn't scared of snakes, you know, there, there was something wrong with that guy. But we do, we all naturally just have that, you know, you see a snake, you, wanna, you either want to run or you want to kill it. And we've got that enmity that's between us. And I think it's something that God put in, in us. But you know what? There's more to it than that. Because what's interesting, this is the one time in the Bible you see God refer to a descendant or a seed as the seed of a woman. It was always referred to as you know, the seed of man. But here it's referred to as the seed of a woman. 
And I believe very, it's very clear that that's because we know that the Messiah did not come from the seed of man. It came from the seed of a woman. We know that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He did not have an earthly father because of the fact the thing he couldn't have because one thing that every descendant of Adam had, it was that image of Adam. It had that fallen nature. And we need that image of Christ stamped in His place. And so Jesus Christ, He came, He was spiritually born. He was, he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He was born of a virgin. And those of us, if, we're, if we want to go to heaven, if we want to be reconciled to God, we must be born again. We must be born again because flesh and blood cannot enter into the kingdom of God. We must be born again. But he does, he says, he mentions that the seed of a woman, it was going to bruise the head of Satan. And we all know, we all know that that's Jesus Christ. We know that's talking about Jesus Christ. But I want to show you a few things because unfortunately, you know, dispensationalism, it has, it has so corrupted the doctrine in churches today. It's so corrupted the minds of God's people that they miss out on some amazing things in the scriptures. There's many people today that are teaching, you know, they, they teach that Jesus Christ coming to earth, you know, it was something that he did you know, it was it was just for the Jews, and you know, and if the Jews would have received him, you know, he would have set up his kingdom, but and you know, and it would have all been good. But then he died on the cross. They killed him, and as a result, God decided to go to the Gentiles, and that is just that's that's the ultimate garbage right there. And it's a, it's a result of people trying to force, you know, a square peg into a round hole, and it's it's completely corrupt. But I want to show you some things. Those, you know, we don't believe in dispensationalism here, but I want to show you some things in the scriptures that are so interesting. Because of the fact, it's like people have this attitude that it was a mistake, you know, Jesus dying on the cross. It was a mistake. This was always his plan. It was always what God intended. Sin was going to have to be paid for, and it was immediately promised. We've got people today that are teaching that in the Old Testament, they got saved by faith plus works. And that's a bunch of garbage right there, too. It was always, you know, it, there's always been one gospel. And you say, oh, you know, they didn't know about Jesus. You know, they, well, they didn't know everything about Jesus that we know today. But understand, as soon as man fell, the first thing God did is he gave him a prophecy about Jesus. He didn't say Jesus, but he said a seed of a woman is going to bruise the head of Satan. And who was that seed of a woman? Well, we know it was Jesus Christ. So if they were believing in that seed of a woman that was going to crush the head of Satan, who were they believing in? They were believing in Jesus Christ. And so you, 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 can't, you can't act like it was a faith plus work thing. And there's so many scriptures that disprove that. But we see that the reason Jesus needed to come, the reason Jesus had to be born, and he, is because of the fact, you know, we, he needed to set that somebody had to fulfill that law of righteousness. We see that not long after this fall, that God ends up giving, or not long in the Bible, it was many years later, that God gave that law, a holy law. One that man was not able to keep. One that no man ever kept, except for Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ, He lived a perfect life. He lived a sinless life. He fulfilled every law. And it, that should be a reminder to us about how wicked and how sinful we are. We have this law. We look at this Old Testament. It shows us just how sinful we are. It show, you know, we see some of these laws and you say, man, those things are harsh. Those things are extreme. You know, what are we supposed to do? You know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to say, I can't do that. And we're supposed to call on the Lord for salvation. 
And we see people throughout the Old Testament, you see it in Genesis 5, that men began to call on the Lord. Even back, back then, people figured it out. Hey, we've got a call on the Lord for salvation. And we forget that even now, you know, we're receiving favor of the Lord because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Not our righteousness. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. For all have sinned. Death passed upon all men. We all had it. We've all inherited it. We all descended from Adam. We all come from Adam, and therefore, we are all sinners. And what's going to make a difference of who's going to go to heaven, who's not going to go to heaven, it's not who's good, because none of us are good. There's none righteous. No, not one. It's going to be who has been born again, who has been born of God, who has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so sin and death, it was brought into the world by man, but Adam, but righteousness, it was brought into the world by Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15.21 says, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So thank God for that. Jesus Christ is what the Bible calls the last Adam in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And, and Hark the Herald Angels sing it says second Adam, uh, which I guess he's the second. There's only, there was the first one and then there's the last one. Jesus Christ was that last Adam. So death came into the world by Adam, but life came into the world by Jesus Christ. And so notice though, how it was immediately prophesied. I mean, the first thing, God promises them a way of salvation. He promises them a Messiah. It was years, many, many years later. 4,000 years later. Before He came. But understand that Jesus Christ coming to this earth, it was a fulfillment of the oldest prophecy. The first prophecy that God gives at the fall of man, it was fulfilled at the birth of, or it was, it was partially fulfilled. It was all started at the birth of Jesus Christ. And so notice how he prophesied that seed of a woman. You don't see that in the Bible. You don't see it except for here, it refers to the seed of a woman. It was always the man that was kind of credited. You know, and women don't like that because, you know, they, they contribute quite a bit to the cause, don't they, when it comes to bringing people in the world. They do all the hard stuff. But we see that it's, all, it's always, you know, it's referring to the man. You know, it was always so-and-so begat so-and-so. It was always the men that were mentioned. With the exception of Matthew chapter 1, this is just kind of a side note, it mentions four women. And there besides Mary, all Gentile women. All women who had some pretty difficult backgrounds. But then, ultimately, it leads to Jesus being born of a virgin. Being conceived of the Holy Ghost. Kind of showing the legal line that he came through, but in the end, guess what? Those people didn't matter because every one of them were sinners. What mattered was the fact that he was conceived of the Holy Ghost because this was the Son of God. And so, what an amazing thing that is. But it was prophesied that the seed of a woman was going to bruise the head of Satan. And this is not the last time that seed is mentioned. That seed is mentioned many times in the book of Genesis. It's mentioned, it's mentioned many times throughout the Bible. But yet today, thanks to some of these false doctrines that are going around, thanks to modern versions of the Bible, people have missed that. You know what? That seed, it was mentioned many more times. It was talked about quite a bit. In fact, look at first, I'm going to go through these quick, but Genesis chapter 12 and verse 7, we see, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. 
Now, right there it says, under thy seed I will give this land. Talking about Abraham's seed. He said, I'm going to give to your seed this land. Now, the modern Bible versions, including even the New King James, that's supposed to be really similar to the King James, it doesn't say seed, it says descendants. It says under thy descendants. Where did that come from? Well, one of the, the, one of the main people who brought in, dis, helped bring in dispensationalism to churches, especially in Baptist churches, was Schofield. Some of you might have a Schofield Bible, might be using a Schofield Bible right now. I've got one in my office. But Schofield, he takes that in his notes and he says that seed was the descendants of Abraham, talking about the Jews. And people today, they still use these verses you know, to prove that the land belongs to the Jews because it was promised to Abraham's descendants. No, it wasn't. It was promised to Abraham's seed. And that seed that it was promised to, I'm going to show you in the Scripture, it was the exact same seed that was mentioned in Genesis chapter 3. And it says in Genesis 13, verse 14, And the Lord God said unto Abraham, After that lot was separated him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Genesis fifteen seventeen. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. And in the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. 17, verse 7, And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. 20, chapter 22, verse 17, That in blessing I will bless thee and multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. And then chapter 24, verse 7, The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, which spake unto me, that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto thy son from thence. Now, I get why Schofield, I get why dispensationalists, I get why even the Jews back in those days would have looked at those verses and said, that's talking about the descendants. But the Bible doesn't use the word descendants. Some Bible versions use the word offspring. But that's not what it says, is it? It says seed. But I get why they would think that. But unfortunately for these people, it's like they've never read the New Testament. The New Testament actually spells it out for us who that seed was. In Galatians 3.16, it says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. And because of the fact that people even back then had the idea, no, it's descendants. You know, there was the NIV back then too, apparently. You know, <laughs> or, uh, you know the New King James. No, it, you know, there, these people had that idea. So Paul here, he's explaining, no, it was made, the promise was made to Abraham and his seed. And this shows why every jot and tittle of the Bible is important. What if we just added an S said to his seeds? That would make more sense for descendants, right? But no, it didn't say seeds either. It said seed. And he said, not into seeds as of many, but as of one into thy seed, which is Christ. Do you all see? understand that it was a mystery back then. This seed, it was not something that was fully understood back then. 
And it, that seed, we now know because we have the New Testament, it turns out it wasn't those descendants. It was Jesus Christ. Because when you read the entire Old Testament, it's just the Jews doing one bad thing after another. I mean, rebellion after rebellion, wickedness after wickedness, going into idolatry. How can these people be the seed? Well, the truth is, they weren't the seed. But you know what? Schofield's not the only one that thought it was the Jews. John Hagee isn't the only one that thought it was the Jews. You know, uh, you know, the dispensations weren't the only ones that thought that. You know what? Satan thought it was too. Because we see in the Old Testament, did Satan not focus a lot of his attention on the Jews? Was he not constantly going after them and succeeding? Why was he doing that? He's trying to stop the seed from coming that was going to bruise his head. There's many promises too. It doesn't always refer to the seed. Sometimes, you know, it talks, calls, uh, there's a prophecy about, it called him Shiloh, you know, the Messiah. There's many other names that it was given, but Satan knew it was coming. He knew it was coming through Abraham. And so I can understand when God made those promises to Abraham, while Satan would have got together, or would have listened to that and said, you know what? I'm going after his family. I'm going to go after those who descend from Abraham. And throughout time, we don't have time to look at all of them, different individuals in that line, it was prophesied the Messiah was going to come through them. And we see Satan focus extra attention on those ones. It would kind of get narrowed down a little bit because he's trying to stop that seed from coming. But unfortunately, for Satan, he kind of, he didn't fully understand this prophecy. He didn't fully get it. And he made some big, pretty big mistakes. But Satan thought it was Israel. The Jews thought it was Israel. Schofield thought it was Israel. Dispensationalists still think it's Israel. But the New Testament tells us that promised seed, it's the same one mentioned in Genesis chapter 3, and that is Jesus Christ. He was that seed that was promised, that was prophesied. And Satan was on a mission throughout the Old Testament to destroy the seed. And there were probably many times he thought he did. Jeremiah chapter 22, if you turn over there, we don't have time to go into all the history and everything that's going on right here. But this is the time when Israel was about to be taken captive, or Judah was about to be taken captive in Babylon. Israel had already been taken captive, but Judah which is where the seed is going to come from, that line, they had not been taken captive yet, but they were about to be taken captive because they were wicked too. The kings were wicked. And in Jeremiah 22, verse 28, it says, Is this man Coniah a despised, broken idol? Talking about Jeconiah. If you read Matthew chapter 1, he was one of them in the line of Christ that is mentioned in Matthew chapter 1. Look what it's, And then it says, um, it says, He is a vessel wherein is no pleasure. Wherefore are they cast out? He and his seed are cast into a land which they know not. O earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, write ye this man, talking about Coniah or Jeconiah, childless, a man that shall not prosper in his days, for no man of his seed shall prosper, sitting upon the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. I don't know if you understand the significance of that prophecy, but it was prophesied that the Messiah was going to come through David. And we see the line of David was the one that remained king in Jerusalem. And Jeconiah, he was a descendant of David, but he was a wicked man and a curse is pronounced on him. Right, this man childless. Okay, now, he had children, but understand, none of them were going to prosper in his days. No man of his seed shall prosper. But wait a minute. The promised seed 
is supposed to come through that line. Through the line of David, right? So Satan at this time, he's got to be thinking, I won. I've got Israel. I've got Judah taken captive. I have corrupted that line of David where the seed is supposed to come from. Jeremiah has just pronounced a curse on that line. It looks like Satan's won here, hasn't it? But you know what? Satan never wins. Okay? Satan's always going to lose. So, but what, what about this? What happens? Because we see Jeconiah mentioned in the line of Christ in Matthew chapter 1. And it eventually goes to Joseph. And then we see Jesus Christ mentioned there. And so, because the promised seed, and it's meant, he's, the seed is mentioned there, or a, a couple times the seed's mentioned, that it was going to come through David. It says in Isaiah 11, verse 10, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, that was David's father, which shall stand for an ensign of the people, to it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And then in Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So we see that that government, that kingdom, it was going to be from the line of David. So did Satan just succeed here? Well, I mean, obviously we know he didn't. But I can see where Satan probably thought he had gotten the victory there in Jeremiah. Because they did, they ended up becoming captive. And you know what? There after that all took place, after everything went down, there were never any more kings that rose up from that line. Now, another one's eventually going to spring up and it's going to be Jesus Christ. But that's not going to be until the millennium. So it looks like Satan has won, but the thing that he missed, because remember, it's the seed of a woman that was mentioned, but that seed was in fact going to come through that line of Abraham. It was going to come through that line of David. But you know what? I believe Satan, he made a big mistake. He thought that seed was going to come not just from David, but from Solomon, who was the king. Solomon is mentioned in Matthew chapter 1 in that line of Christ. But if you go and you look at the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 and you look at it in Luke chapter 3, it, goes, it kind of goes backwards in Luke, in Luke chapter 3. But you don't have David and Solomon. You know who you have? You have David and Nathan, who was not a king. And then everybody after that in that line going to Jesus Christ is different. You know, why did Luke do a different genealogy? You know why? Because Luke was doing the genealogy of Mary. And you see, while Satan was doing everything he could to stop that seed from coming, after it got to David, you know what he did? David had more than one kid and he went after the wrong one. He went after the, he went that whole time he's focusing all his attention on Solomon and Rehoboam and uh, Jehoshaphat and Asa and all those people. He's focusing all his attention on them. Well, we don't see anything in the Bible about Nathan and all those names after him. They were just kind of there. They were who God was going to use to have that seed come from and Satan missed it. He did, he did not succeed. And we see that while legally Jesus came from Joseph because he was his supposed father, we see that though Joseph was not his father and Mary was his mother, therefore the prophecies was fulfilled 
the seed coming from, but it wasn't the seed of a man. It was the seed of a woman. And it was it came from Mary. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. So we see in the end, God kept His promise legally by having the Messiah come from Mary, who descended from Nathan, but the seed who was able to, he was, he was able to be the Savior because he was conceived of the Holy Ghost. Not because he came from the Jews. People always love to just lift up the fact that Jesus was a Jew. Okay, but alright, well fine, yeah, he practiced their religion, but guess what? He was the only Jew that did it right. No Jew ever kept the law. None. You know why? Because they descended from Adam. The same place that everybody descends from. We all descend from Adam. They all were corruptible like Adam. And so, yeah, Jesus, you know, he practiced the Jewish religion, but, you know, he didn't descend from Adam. He came from the Holy, he was conceived of the Holy Ghost. And so, you know what? We don't care about genealogies today because it doesn't matter where you descend from physically. What matters is where you come from spiritually, and Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. You must be born again, and it has to be through Jesus Christ. And so in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, it said, it was, it was, this was prophesied. It was going to come. It was going to come from a virgin. It says, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew 1 verse 20. But while he thought in these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which was conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So you all see it right there that this was prophesied. It was way back in Isaiah, hundreds of years before, it was prophesied, Lord's going to give you a sign, a virgin's going to conceive. That doesn't happen. That had never happened. It's not going to happen again. And bear a son, call his name Emmanuel. Which being interpreted is God with us. Jesus Christ, He is God in the flesh. And He came to this earth to pay for the sins of man. And it was a fulfillment of prophecies that went all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Something that they were looking for. Something they were waiting for. Something they were expecting. People were like, no, they didn't have any idea. Well, you know what? There was a lot of people that were looking, that seemed to notice. There was guys like, you know, Simeon. I believe it was in Zacharias and Anna the prophetess, the people that they knew something was coming. They didn't all know how exactly how it was going to play out, but they were waiting for that seed. And it turns out that seed wasn't Jews. That seed was Jesus Christ Himself. He was the seed. He was where salvation comes from. He was the one that the promises are made to. And you know what? He's, he was the chosen. He was the elect of God. And Jesus came to save His people. Well, who are His people? Came into his own. His own received him not. You know, and everybody like you know, he came for the Jews. He came for the Jews. We were an afterthought as Gentiles later. Well, who are his people? Well, the Jews thought it was them too. Look at what it says in John chapter eight. John chapter eight and verse thirty-three. You see, the thing that you, the people on our side need to realize when it comes to false doctrine, no false doctrine started in the eighteen hundreds with Schofield. Okay, the same false doctrines they've just been being, you know revived throughout the years. And this false doctrine about a physical people being the chosen ones, it was going on obviously in Jesus' day. And Jesus rebukes them for it. In John chapter 8, verse 33, says they answered Him, We be Abraham's seed. We're the seed. You all see that? They said, We are the seed. We be Abraham's seed. 
We are the, we are the promised ones. And we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I see, I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto him, them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. So we see that yes, physically they were his seed. Physically they were from Abraham. Physically speaking, they were his father. But Jesus said, you know what? You're not Abraham's children. If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But ye seek to kill me. So this did not Abraham. Well, what are the works of Abraham? What works did Abraham do in order to receive righteousness, in order to be saved? What were the works? Well, the Bible makes it real clear in Genesis 4, if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof the glory, but not before God. But Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham was a man of faith, and God has named those who are of faith children of Abraham. Do you want to know who Jesus' own are? It's those who are of faith. He came into His own. He would save His people. Who are His people? It's not a physical race of people. It's those who are of faith. He died for the sins of the whole world. He paid for the sins of the whole world. But are every, is everybody in the world going to receive the gift of salvation? Absolutely not. Only His people are. Well, who are they? Those who are of faith. Those who will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who will accept the free gift. They are His people they are who Jesus came to save. And you know what? If you are one of those, don't get lifted up with pride because there's nothing special about you that made you able to be saved. Anybody could be saved if they would believe on Him. But not, not everybody's going to. But it, that doesn't mean you're great. It just, just You need to thank God that you, that you got saved. His people are those who are of faith. Romans 9, 6, Not as though the Word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel that are of Israel, neither because... They are the seed of Abraham, are they all children? But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Or, yeah, shall thy seed be called? That is, they which are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Y'all see that seed keeps being mentioned. There is a physical seed, but they are not the promised seed. They are not the seed that was prophesied in Genesis chapter 3. They are not the seed that was mentioned in Genesis chapter 12 and 15 and 17 and chapter 24. That is not, they are not the seed. It was, that was always Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.26, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Not by birth. Not by who we descend from. By faith in Christ Jesus. Those are His people. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Well, wait, I thought just Jesus was the seed. But He said here that we are Abraham's seed because of faith in Christ Jesus. Well, how does, what does that mean? Well, because of the fact that, remember what God told Abraham? He said, I'm going to multiply your seed. Well, what does that mean? Is it because of all the children that were born? No. The seed that was multiplied is the seed Jesus Christ because all of us who are saved, 
we are in Christ. And we are Abraham's seed. The seed was not multiplied through the expansion of the children of Israel and all that came from them physically. The seed that was multiplied was all those who received salvation through Jesus Christ. Old Testament and New Testament. The seed was multiplied by Jesus Christ. And you know what? I help multiply that seed. Not when we bring more kids into the world, but when I win people to Christ. As another person born into the family of God, born into Christ. That is a child, that is a child of Abraham. And so that's how the seed is multiplied. And all who are saved, we're Abraham's seed. It doesn't matter where we descend from. And, uh, and so, because Abraham had two sons, didn't he? We have one of a bondwoman, one of a free woman. The one of the bondwoman was one of flesh. And Galatians 4.24, it makes it very clear. It says, which things are an allegory. For the, there are two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth the bondage, which is Agar or Hagar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. So right there, it shows how there's two sons, a physical and a spiritual. It's the spiritual that are counted for the seed. The spiritual of the seed. We are spiritual today because of Jesus Christ. And Galatians 3.19 says, For wherefore then serveth the law, it was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come. Y'all see that? That's why God gave that law. It was to show that we were sinners until the seed should come, which was Jesus Christ. And uh, to whom the promise was made and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. And so as it turns out, it's always been about the spiritual seed and not the physical. And I want to show you something here. This This is something that's neat. Once again, it was just kind of a mystery in the Bible. Go to Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. I want to show you a prophecy here. I want to show you a verse here. And I know what y'all are going to think, how, what this is talking about. But, I'm going to, but we learn in the New Testament, no, this isn't what we thought it was talking about. In Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, it says, When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. Now, what do you think that's talking about on the surface? When Israel was a child, I loved him and I called my son out of Egypt. Well, certainly that's talking about when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, right? Wasn't that when it was? Yes and no. Because uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 15, it says, and was uh, there until the death of Herod. Jesus and his family, they had to escape to Egypt because Herod was trying to kill all the male children under two years old. And they were there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, out of Egypt have I called my son. Hosea 11 was not talking about when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. It was talking about when Jesus was brought out of Egypt, which was something that was to come later. Now, reading Hosea chapter 11, just that, I'm going to think that he was talking about when he brought him out of the land of Egypt. But you know what? He was then too. That's a, there, that was a dual prophecy there. It had happened before and it was something that was going to happen again. Well, where do you get that from? Well, look what it says in Exodus chapter 4, verse 22. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, this is when he's telling him, I want you to go to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. We're going to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Tell him, let, uh, he said, say unto Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. 
And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. Israel is my son, my firstborn. Who was he talking about? Was he talking about that physical nation there? Or was he talking about the seed? He was talking about the seed. You know why? Because it was within that line of Judah during that time. The seed, it was... And that's why God focused so much attention on the children of Israel. That was why God preserved them and why He protected them. It wasn't because they were special. They were as wicked as all get out. But you know what we do see though? That the reason God cared for them so much is because the seed was in Israel. His son. That is why He called Israel the apple of His eye. Not because of them, but because of the seed that was within them. That seed that went down through that line of Judah, that went to David, and that didn't go through Solomon, went through Nathan. It is very clear in the New Testament that the seed was always Jesus Christ. And it was the oldest prophecy, it was the first prophecy after the fall, that the seed of a woman is going to bruise the head of Satan. We see that as soon as man sinned, I mean, immediately, God had a plan of mercy and forgiveness. And that plan was through His Son, Jesus Christ, that was eventually born. And what we are celebrating right now, we are celebrating the birth of the seed. That seed that was prophesied, that seed that they were waiting for for 4,000 years, that seed came and that seed was Jesus Christ. And those of us who are saved, we are, we are a part of that family. We are in Christ. We have been born again. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Hey, corruptible seed. Well, who would that be? Well, that would be the children of Israel. You know why? Because they all died. Hey, we are all physically corruptible. I am going to die because I've got bad genetics. It, and it goes all the way back to my great-great-great-grandfather Adam. We're all going to die because of bad genetics. But you know what? Those of us who are saved, we have Christ within us. And one of these days when He returns... We are going to have a resurrection of the dead. We are going to be brought back to life. You know why? Because we've been born of God. Because of that spiritual birth. Because we have been born again. And he that believeth on Him shall never die. I'll never die spiritually. Because I'm saved. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Physically, this body is going to die because it's got bad genetics. It's It's from corruptible seed. But I've got something inside of me that's incorruptible. That's the Holy Spirit of God. And one of these days, it's going to resurrect me. It's going to transform this body into one like His glorious body. And all of that is something that we can look back, we can celebrate, we can look forward to because of the fact the seed came. And we are, cel- we are celebrating that today. The, com- the, the seed came to this earth. He was Jesus Christ. And He came so He could die and He could pay for our sins. So He could wipe out that. He could take care of that sin debt for us. And He could cleanse us from our sin. And we have a hope of heaven today because that promised seed came. And His name is Jesus Christ. And so, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You so much for sending Your Son to come and pay for our sins. Dear God, it's, it's an amazing thing to look at Your Word. It's, it's so clear. From the beginning, You had a plan. Lord, it's, it's amazing You didn't just wipe us all out, but You uh, made a plan of redemption. Uh, while as historically we rejected you over and over again, Lord, you just kept forgiving. You preserved your seed. 
And dear God, because of what you did on the cross, Lord, you're going to preserve us. And even though we're still sinful, even though we've called on you, Lord, but we're still no good, Lord, one of these days you're going to change our vile bodies and you're going to make us like you. And we thank you for that. And I pray you'll help us to, while we, while we are on this earth, to live as much like you as we possibly can. And I just pray you'll help us in this Christmas season to remember what it's all about. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all